Almost immediately after Elon bought Twitter, the new algorithm has been negatively affecting any content related to Ukraine, especially the war. He full-on suggested leaving Crimea to Russia. Starlink will not be blocking Russian news sources because he's a free speech absolutist and they will only do that at a gunpoint. Musk just listens to the Russian ambassador and gives in to the Russian nuclear blackmail. Now, X is the biggest source of Russian disinformation out of any other social media. He doesn't have enough money to support Ukraine because <laughs> he's not the richest man in the world. Hi, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Ukraine, a show where the newsroom of the Cuban Independent explains Ukraine's biggest events in just under 30 minutes. I'm your host, Anastasia Lapatina. And today we're talking about the complicated relationship between Ukraine and Elon Musk. How Musk's technologies changed the course of Russia's war in Ukraine, while Musk's opinions branded him a Russian propaganda mouthpiece in the eyes of many Ukrainians. And for the first time, I'm joined by the Cuban Independent TikTok producer, Masha Lavrova. Masha, we're so excited to have you. Oh, I'm really excited to be here too. So before we go on, I'll remind you guys to please, please subscribe to the Cuban Independent on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you're listening to us right now. Leave comments, reviews, like us. It only takes a second for you, but it goes a really long way for us because more people can see our show and stay informed about the war in Ukraine. So. Masha, Elon Musk is a name that recently, if mentioned in any conversation with any Ukrainian, usually brings up a lot of annoyance, jokes, broad eyes, and it's basically a unanimous understanding that he is not a friend of Ukraine. And just a few days ago, for example, there was this another scandal uh, with Musk trolling Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky on X, formerly known as Twitter. And as always, Ukrainians backlashed in the comments, but this guy actually used to be our hero, a tech visionary who helped Ukraine fight off the Russian invasion. So I want to understand this kind of unfortunate um, downward journey of Elon Musk. But to do that, can you first tell us how does that Musk got involved in Ukraine in the first place? Where does the story begin? All story starts seemingly on the 24th of February. And an hour before full-scale invasion, there was a cyber attack on Viasat, which provided a satellite network to Ukraine. And obviously that was hugely problematic because we need in internet. internet for communications for exactly. the military. Right. And so we had to look for alternative solutions, which Musk provided in the end. Then two days later, Minister of Digital Transformation Fedorov actually tweeted Musk in order to get his attention. And he said, Elon Musk, while you try to colonize Mars, Russia tried to occupy Ukraine. While your rockets successfully land from space, Russian rockets attack civilian people. We ask you to provide Ukraine with Starlink station and to address sane Russian to stand, which I thought was really powerful and actually... Right. I remember that moment. And didn't Musk reply within like hours? He did, which felt like a little victory, especially, you know, that early during the full-scale invasion. And I don't know, for somebody like me who was abroad during the time and whose family was in Ukraine, I was really, really worried about losing connection with my family and actually not knowing what's happening in general. Right. So... That, that, was a, that was something that we were all scared of because, you know, the Russians did have the cyber capability to just shut down the internet. And they did. By July 2022, we had 15,000 Starlink terminals in Ukraine, which made a huge difference. I mean, people have been saying that without that, we would have been losing this war. Right, because the Starlink essentially became the backbone of military communications, civilian communications, and so on. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like Musk either was a genuine supporter of Ukraine 
or he just saw an excellent opportunity for some great publicity because that whole exchange with our you know, Minister uh, Fedorov, that was really public and it just worked great both for him and for Ukraine. It's hard to say which one it was. I personally would like to think that originally he decided to help Ukraine from the goodness of his heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has provided this crucial life-saving communication system to Ukraine that obviously altered the the way this war would have went. went. But at the same time, he's posting these really questionable tweets about Ukraine and Mm -hmm. other things as well. I mean, a great example is his poll on the peace resolution between Russia and Ukraine. I think we all remember that. That's the infamous tweet where he full on suggested leaving Crimea to Russia and then holding UN supervised elections in other occupied territories. And he also suggested Ukraine to remain neutral, right? Mm-hmm. Like we shouldn't join NATO or EU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ukraine should be neutral and just kind of be okay Give, with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the internet was not impressed and no. Ukrainians were righteously furious. Yeah, I remember I remember. I was tweeting back at him. Uh, what's more impressive is that Ukrainian diplomats were tweeting very angrily back at him. But like, also internationals as well. Like yeah. there were presidents involved. Like, there, it, like he it was did bad. spark fury. Yeah. And another great point that he decided to make that Starlink will not be blocking Russian news sources because he's a free speech absolutist and they will only do that at a gunpoint. Even though the absolute majority of news sources in Russia are state-sponsored, state-controlled, completely state Kremlin propaganda. And he wanted to have those open for the sake of free speech, he said. Yeah. And I mean, I genuinely do believe that he truly believes in this distorted version of free speech, even Mm -hmm. though it allows for hate speech and, you know, misinformation and just, you know, garbage that's circulating the internet now. He's still seen in the West as this digital Mother Teresa who's saving Ukraine. Ukrainians are starting to get the clue that he doesn't really know what he's talking about when Mm -hmm. talking about the war. And is the way Musk understands or rather misunderstands Russia's war in Ukraine, is that affecting Starlink operations in the country? Does that have like a tangible effect on the battlefield? I mean, yes, his opinions are problematic and also affect the battlefield in a real way. There's this case of the Sevastopol attack that we've learned from Walter Isaacson biography on Musk, Mm -hmm. and also obviously from Musk's personal favorite pastime tweeting, (laughs) that he didn't want to be part of this war, which is kind of weird, but whatever. And that he did not authorize the use of Starlink in the Sevastopol area, which prevented Ukrainian army attacking the Black Sea fleet. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Yeah, we just learned about that in September, but the attack in question actually happened uh, in the summer of 2022, or actually did not happen, thanks to Elon Musk. More interesting is that from Isaacson's writing, we know that Elon Musk made the decision directly after communicating with Russian ambassador who pretty much told Musk that if Ukraine succeeds or does anything in Crimea, this would lead to nuclear escalation. And of course, we believe it. Right. Musk Musk believes it. it. Yeah. So this is the Russian ambassador to the US, right? Yes. Yes. And Musk also later said that he had direct communication, that he communicated with Vladimir Putin, but through the ambassador, of course. Right. So this is huge. I mean, Sevastopol, which is where the Russian Black Sea Fleet is based, is first of all, internationally recognized Ukrainian territory. That was annexed. Yeah. So this is huge because Sevastopol, the place, the city in Crimea where the Russian Black Sea Fleet is based, it's first of all, internationally recognized Ukrainian territory because Crimea was annexed in 2014. Mm-hmm. And that fleet is also the place from which Russia sends huge amounts of missiles. Constantly. Constantly on Ukraine, on civilian targets, you know, civilian infrastructure, energy infrastructure. 
So an attack on that fleet would be hugely beneficial for Ukraine. Mm -hmm. But Musk just listens to the Russian ambassador and gives into the Russian nuclear blackmail, basically. Yeah, I mean, we already know his opinion on Crimea and where it should land from, you know, his poll earlier. On Twitter, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I personally think maybe they have something on him, you know, like actual personal blackmail, because they've been saying that they will nuke Ukraine a lot for right. many reasons, constantly. Well, it, yeah, this, so, is the, this is the broader part of like the Russian nuclear blackmail that for some reason people still fall for. I mean, Ukraine has successfully, very successfully attacked the Russian Black Sea Fleet. Just yeah, several like weeks ago. Several weeks ago. Um, by the way, this is a good time to remind our listeners to check out our latest podcast episode. It's exactly on this, on our attacks on Crimea. And as you guys can see clearly, nuclear war hasn't started. Um, so this is just yet another proof that Russian blackmail is just fiction. And yes. it's just that blackmail that isn't grounded in reality. Yeah, and the, those red lines are just constantly moving. Yeah. Back and forth. Exactly. Apart from Sevastopol, were there any other cases of like Starling outages or, you know, something going wrong with Starling that really kind of messed up Ukrainian operations? I mean, yeah, there were reports about Starling outages in Kherson and Kharkiv regions that really affected Ukrainian progress. I've heard stories from people who, you know, fought in counteroffensive operations there that um, essentially, Ukrainian military units relied on Starlink so much. And of course, not all units. I, I have limited information, of course. But some units relied on Starlink so much that once they liberate a certain village and Starlink no longer works there, they would literally be isolated from, you know, some of the other units because mm -hmm. some some soldiers didn't use like kind of encrypted radio comms at all. They only used the Starlink powered ways of communication. So it it played a huge role, but do we know why those outages happened? What were the stated reasons? I mean, in general, Starlink only operates in Ukraine-controlled territories. So when there is counteroffensive and the lines are moving really quickly, you know, how do you follow the map that's constantly changing? So how right. can you adjust? So people are left unprotected and without communication, which is, you know, a matter of life and death. So Starlink basically couldn't kind of like adjust its logistics fast enough, right? No. Yeah. It, it, I don't think it's possible. I mean, I'm not a tech professional, but... It seems quite hard. Right. And on top of that, we also know that Musk quite constantly complains about the expense and that it's too expensive and threatening to turn off Starlink, period. Mm -hmm. There have been allegedly a report from CNN that in October 2022, there have been 1,300 terminals that have been turned off or like that went offline mm -hmm. due to the funding issues. Interesting. Uh, and is that... Is that true? Like, do we know how much Musk is actually spending on those terminals? And, you know, what, what exactly is the funding issue that he's talking about? Oh, that's a great topic. I mean, that's a great question because obviously he doesn't have enough money to support Ukraine because he's not the richest man in the world. And his company is not turning over like a ridiculous amount of money that is in billions. Right. But uh, <laughs> so, yes, Musk is the richest man in the world, which... I guess, depends on your ethics, whether you think that that should matter or not in the situation. But uh, is, is Starlink just paying for all these like thousands of terminals in Ukraine or, or not? How, do, how does that work? Because he really made it seem like the whole thing was his charity. Mm -hmm. The whole thing was out of his pocket. I mean, no, obviously not. Because yes, originally he had donated a lot of the terminals and he also obviously had been funding it. But last September... They wrote a letter to Pentagon saying that, like, they cannot do it forever. And we also know that there's many people, civilians and also 
military, military who have been buying it personally from their own money or from the nation that Ukrainians been doing, because obviously we either don't have enough or we also not just given enough. Right. Um, I know so many families that just have purchased Starlink, like mm-hmm. cafes, restaurants, businesses, hospitals have used their own money, have fundraised money. So um, it's definitely not true that Starlink just works um, for free in Ukraine. Yeah, no, it definitely doesn't work for free. And, you know, Musk wouldn't want to waste an opportunity to earn more money on this war. We also know from Isaacson's biography on Musk that there was a communication between the Minister of Digital Transformation, Federiv, saying that it's a big issue that the territories that are not controlled by Ukraine are not covered by Starlink for, you know, a bunch of reasons that we kind of mentioned already. And what Musk replies is just absolutely insane. I'm just going to read you what Musk's answer to Fedorov was. So he says, once Russia is fully mobilized, they will destroy all infrastructure throughout Ukraine and push far past the current territories. NATO will have to intervene to prevent all of Ukraine falling to Russia. At that point, the risk of World War III becomes really high. So he's really concerned about the fears of nuclear escalation, about, you know, this World War III warmongering. Um, and also he obviously doesn't believe in Ukraine actually succeeding because, you know, right. that's pretty much what he says, that Russia is just not using their full power. And that's why this is actually continuing the way it is. Mm-hmm. And then he basically says that Russia will stop at nothing to hold on to Crimea because we all know what a big fan of Russian Crimea he is. And then he also says that we need to seek peace with, with Russia, The Ukraine needs to seek peace with Russia, and that he will support any pragmatic path to peace that serves the greater good for all humanity. Okay. Um, So I guess that just, again, highlights how his opinions had a really big effect on the battlefield. Yeah, and just where his opinions land as well. So all of these issues of logistics and funding that clearly have been bothering Musk for a while, um, have they been solved by now? Um, Pretty much, yes. Elon made agreements with different U.S. government agencies making them pay for Starlink, but also giving them over the control, which allowed America to actually fix the issue of Starlink not operating in territories that are not under control in Ukraine. Okay, so that's the whole ordeal with Starlink. But then there's also X, or in the past, Twitter, a platform that has been hugely important for the Ukrainian war effort, for journalists, activists, fundraising, etc. Elon bought it in October. Um, of last year. Did that affect Ukrainians and the war in any way? Yeah, of course. I mean, globally, people have been affected by Musk taking control of Twitter. Twitter used to be known as this great source of quick information, especially during global breaking news. And Elon's Twitter, or X, is, seems quite impartial to democracy or fact-checking or verification, but quite in favor of, I don't know, misinformation, hate speech, and just overall propaganda, especially Kremlin propaganda. I mean, almost immediately after Elon bought Twitter, the new algorithm has been negatively affecting any content related to Ukraine, especially the war. And people have been saying that their posts are not as visible Mm -hmm. and that their likes are disappearing and just a bunch of weird stuff like that. That's very true. I mean, from personal experience, I've noticed that anytime I would tweet anything that just wouldn't have like the word Ukraine in it, it would have a, a normal amount of likes, shares, you know, the usual analytics. And the second I put Ukraine in it, it, the engagement just drops significantly. So, you know, that's me who cares about like an individual or mm-hmm. whatever. But imagine the effect it would have on politicians. 
right. And also like media organizations like the Kim Independent. Yeah, because, I, I know that we've been greatly affected by that as well. Yes, because, well, we can't really avoid mentioning Ukraine. No, we can't. Or we, the war, or, <laughs> you know, just this topic in general. So, yeah, like the engagement that we have on Twitter as a as KI in general, as a media organization, has, has dropped dramatically after Musk took over Twitter. Mm-hmm. Also, since Musk took over Twitter, the company has dropped state-affiliated media labels that was attached to stuff like Russia Today and other Kremlin-controlled media. Which is a huge issue because obviously people need to know that this is pretty much Kremlin speaking. Right. Um, And he also made the verification blue check thing paid. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm quite passionate about this particular issue because the blue check verification used to mean that, you know, this account has been verified, but also that this is a real account of that particular person, which could be a politician, a journalist, or just, you know, an important media persona who's sharing potentially information that you can trust. And now anybody who can pay for it can have this blue mark and share whatever propaganda they want. I mean, there was this huge issue that pretty much within 24 hours of this service becoming available for people, there mm-hmm. were like 11 accounts of like Los Angeles um, police department that were saying information that was not true and, you know, like creating mm-hmm. chaos or I don't know, New York mayor who's been saying that they're going to slash the funding for police department, which, you know, it's just a very big issue because people rely on sources like that to actually know information, especially in case of something important happening like fires or mm-hmm. I don't know, war. And also Russia can very obviously utilize this very well. I mean, they have money. Right. They and like sharing information. This is a <laughs> match made in heaven. Right. Exactly. It has gotten so bad with Musk changing anti-disinformation policies on Twitter or X that European Commission actually reported that now X is the biggest source of Russian disinformation out of any other social media, which is really problematic because we know that Meta is not doing great either. Yeah, like Facebook has a really big problem. Mm -hmm. So now... So to be put up front there, it means quite a lot. (laughs) Right. And what about... Musk himself, like, has his attitude shifted one way or another? Obviously, we all watched Elon Musk spiraling into this full-on pro-Russian lunacy and quite visual support of Kremlin. There has been great examples of him communicating with ex-Prime Minister of Russia, Medvedev. Right, that was you crazy. You know, asking, how's Bakhmut? Um, or refusing to delete his tweets when he was saying that Ukraine shouldn't exist. And, you know, just doing great stuff like that in general. And obviously, what you mentioned in the beginning... The meme with Zelensky that was, I mean, just really in poor taste, let's be honest. Wait, let's let's talk a bit more about that meme because that was horrible. So what was that <sighs> whole thing about? <sighs> this meme is just, first of all, I think it's done in quite poor taste. It's very high school level humor, in my opinion. There's this picture of Zelensky looking very stressed and it says that like when you haven't asked for aid money in five minutes. And he received obviously quite negative response from Ukrainian community, but also just from global community as well, because... It's a president of the country that is at war who, yes, asks for aid money, but it's not for fun. It's, you know, to protect people and to actually Mm -hmm. preserve freedom and, you know, just basic stuff like that. And for somebody who is so opinionated and likes to, you know, talk trash about people, he doesn't like when people say anything negative about him. There's been cases of when people say anything negative about Musk, their likes on the post have been removed when people come back to the post later. And that actually started a whole new issue that I've been following yesterday, which was quite enjoyable. Um, The really fascinating part of this for me is that with all of this reporting on Musk's involvement in the war in Ukraine, 
you know, there are all of these articles and podcasts done in, in Western media. And they all address, right, the specifics, the Starlink, uh, the, 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 you know, the way X affects it. But many of them miss the way Ukrainians perceive him. And I think that that's what I really want to explain here with what we've done today, that, you know, Musk is really not perceived as a friend by Ukrainians. And we all follow, you know, what he says pretty closely. And we see that his understanding of Russia's war against Ukraine is just so poor and it's so scary that such a powerful man can just misread what's happening so so badly and, and to turn off internet for us right in general like yeah. he has that much power yeah i mean overall people around the world might see him differently but what we hopefully showed here now that ukrainians don't see him as a friend i mean obviously we are grateful for the support he originally has given us because it made a huge difference yeah but it's so scary to think that someone with such poor understanding what is actually happening and with obvious ties and, I don't know, just preference of Russia's view of the world mm -hmm. has so much control over something so detrimental like connection and internet. And I guess, you know, if we wouldn't live in Ukraine and wouldn't care about democracy and freedom, it would be quite interesting to observe and just watch. But mm -hmm. obviously we live here and we care and it's... We have it, to worry. Yeah, we worry. <laughs> And on that worrying note, <laughs> we're going to move to community questions. Um, as always, I'll remind you guys that you should go support the Kim Independent at kimindependent.com slash membership. There is an option for a one-time donation and also different tiers of support to become members of our community. You get really cool perks, discussions with editors, um, access to a Discord server uh, that has all of the members of our community and the journalists as well. And of course, our favorite perk is that you get a chance to send us in questions before every single episode of the podcast. We try to incorporate as many of them as we can. So the question that we're going to be tackling this time is, uh, Masha, can you describe Musk's economic interest in Russia and China and their potential influence on his actions about the war in Ukraine? As far as we know, Elon doesn't have any known affiliations with Russia, but we do know that he's quite strongly connected to China because mm -hmm. obviously he has Tesla, his company. And for Teslas, he needs lithium batteries that are quite largely produced in China. And also he sells his cars, Teslas, to China. I think it's something like 40% of his new Teslas have been mm -hmm. sold to China. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Elon needs China. But we cannot safely assume that his decisions in Ukraine have been affected by China at all. Well, Masha, thank you so much. It was really, really interesting to listen to you. Thanks for having me. Also this week, European Council President Charles Michel said that Ukraine could join the European Union by 2030 if, quote, both sides do their homework. Ukraine's foreign minister, Dmitry Kuleba, also said that the EU has reached a consensus regarding Ukraine's membership in the bloc and that it's basically only a matter of time. The Associated Press reported that the Pentagon is running out of money for Ukraine. Pentagon's comptroller, Michael McCord, reportedly warned the U.S. Congress that diminishing funds for Ukraine could cause delays in critical weapons and supply shipments in the U.S. And Ukraine's Digital Transformation Minister, Mikhail Fedorov, reported that drone units of the Ukrainian military that were supported by the Army of Drones initiative managed to destroy and damage 69 towed artillery pieces and 17 self-propelled howitzers in the period from September 25th to October the 2nd. 
which is a record high number. You can find our show on YouTube and all audio platforms every Friday morning. If you like this episode, please subscribe to us and like our content wherever you're listening to this podcast. Go to givingdependent.com membership and support us by becoming a member of our community. And also follow us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening.